0: And ha! oh God, Daddy, stay on your bike, And you know, uh, your legs are, are burning, and you don't want to turn around anymore. And you know, if somebody now attacks, you're going to be like blown out of the water. But you just go, no, I just keep going, just keep going. Tied on the inside, it's the solo on the barriers. Oh, what about that? Now then, everybody, I am Tom Ramsey, and welcome to the Edge Coaching Podcast. This podcast will provide a clear insight into the world of athletic performance and help provide a clear, relatable understanding into subject areas, revolving training, nutrition, stress, psychology, and much, much more. Without further ado, let's begin. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Edge Coaching Podcast. Today, we are talking to the newest member of the Edge Coaching team, which is Amira Mella. Amira is a newly qualified coach, and she has come on board as an assistant coach to provide performance coaching and training plans to the Edge Coaching clients. Amira is currently based in Leeds, but correct me if I'm wrong, Amira, she grew up in Holmfirth. From the age of 14, she has been competing on the bike at any discipline she could. In recent years she has specified in cyclocross and crit racing and even in the first few years of racing cyclocross, Amira quite quickly established herself as one of the best riders around. Only a few years of being on the scene in cross, she was crowned junior British champion ahead of the likes of Evie Richards she had a silver medal in the under-23 championships and highly respectable international results swiftly followed. Last year and the year before that, Amira was an athlete who I personally got the pleasure of coaching and had some great results those years, winning the national trophy in the 2021-22 season And some great results on the national scene in the road and town centre crits. Today, we have the pleasure of talking to her, learning some of her background, where coaching fits into her life, where she sees herself in the future, and much, much more. To set the scene, Amira is not sat here with me. She is on the other side of the computer screen. We are doing a Microsoft Teams chat and I am recording this um, to post later on today. Uh, I am sat there here with my black coffee and Amira is sat there with what looks like a glass of water and her dog Duke is behind her. A little word of warning for the podcast listeners, um, the sound quality once Mira starts talking is um, less than ideal, um, and that is purely down to the conversion from Microsoft Teams and then onto my podcast itself. So I apologise in advance for the sound quality difference, and you will notice it in a second. Um, but we do what we can here. Welcome to the podcast, Amira.
1: Hi everyone.
0: How oh, did you think my little intro was there, Amira? Amira.
1: That was good. I was quite impressed with your knowledge then. <laughs> <laughs> Reminded me of some moments in the past.
0: Yeah, oh, that's it. Well, I had to do a little bit of extra research. I, yeah, definitely some research little, put into that. <laughs> <laughs> I know a little bit about you, obviously, um, for... I mean, yeah, as I say, said in the intro, I've known you for a few years now. And I was trying to think about, actually, um way back before I coached you, on the first time I actually met you, and uh I think... I remember it was um where the the Holmferf, there was a summer cross round at Homefirrth was there not if I remember rightly, way back when or near yeah
1: it. there used to be one at Newsham um, yeah at the yeah. at the high school i I actually That's remember it. seeing your van that day. I think my bike broke. Yeah. And I was I was going around trying to get someone to fix my bike and I remember seeing your van. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean to be honest, um, even uh way before that, way before I had my van, um I remember like when I was oh, I'm trying to think how old I was. I think I was about eighteen, nineteen. Um and so you would have been like fourteen ish. Um like it was very early on in your cyclocross racing um when did you first start racing cross, in fact?
1: I think I did one race as an under-12. And I remember winning a goodie bag full of sweets. And then I think the next year I was under-14. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, probably probably as an under-14 I started racing, actually racing cross, not just yeah, kind yeah. of turning up. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it was around that kind of time. Yeah. And, um, and uh, I remember I did – I won a summer cross race – at, which i think was that venue at Newsom, and yeah. uh and uh i remember seeing you there racing around and i was like you know how quickly these girls going around this is absolutely mad
1: <laughs> i used to try I and I want to it. race the boys yeah I <laughs> them bet, days yeah. have long gone
0: <laughs> so um so yeah we'll we'll talk about a bit about your cross specifically but before yeah. we go into that um Amira, I'm a a big believer that um, your early years tends to kind of shape the kind of person who you are later in life. And whether that be some kind of key defining moments or just the way you were raised as a child, um, you know, who you surrounded yourself with. um, So if we scroll back through the pages into your early years. um, Yeah. Tell me what life was like back then and how you think that may have affected who you are today.
1: Um, yeah, it's a good question. I think looking back, I was the youngest of four siblings. Um, I had two older sisters that were a bit older than me and then a brother that was about 18 months older. And I remember just thinking we basically just did what we wanted. Mm-hmm. We were very freestyle kids. There's pictures of us running around barefoot, like playing with each other um, just kind of being very freestyle outside a lot of the time. And I think that's kind of definitely shaped me and who I am today. I think we've all really been brought up very, quite different to a lot of people Um, very different kind of core values. Um, definitely all love travelling, love exploring. We're all freelance, which is probably quite unusual um or self-employed kind of all went down that route and I think it's very much based on how my mum brought us up and how yeah we were just kind of free to experience different things and I never been I never remember being told off or being grounded or anything like that I just think we were brought up to kind of learn from your mistakes um and yeah my sister's definitely acted as a bit of a mother figure to me and they've kind of they still do they still look at me as like a little bit of the baby of the family um but yeah I just I just think we're all quite freestyle children and it's kind of developed us into wanting to go and explore and go down different paths that not a lot of people maybe think are possible for them um yeah I think that's kind of developed me into who I am today and yeah I'm really grateful that my mum did give us that kind of freestyle growing up um yeah because it's definitely changed my mindset on a lot of things in life and kind of just if you want to go do something like don't be scared to go do it like I never I didn't come out of uni and think oh I need to go get a nine-to-five job I kind of thought the complete opposite I was like how do I stay as far away from a nine-to-five job as possible and that's kind of where a lot of my ideas about life come from I guess Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah I think my bringing up was a big part of who I am today and Kind of who where I kind of see my path in life going as well
0: now that's that that's really interesting, and um not the typical answer that you might get from someone speaking to someone on the podcast, but um yeah, I can resonate with that a lot and i can I can completely understand why why that would have affected who you are today and who all your um your siblings are today as well, yeah, um, I think you know like I say it really resonates with me now because uh with my child Millie like it's it's I I know that she's like a she's like a sponge and she takes in (laughs) so much information all the time and um and uh yeah she's probably a little bit too young at the minute to kind of understand that to a certain extent but as she's growing up it's kind of okay well how do I direct my approach to her and and um how do i um how do i show her the 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 reins on on how the direction of life works and yeah and, um yeah i very much agree with that mentality of their uh, yeah kind of learning from experience um yeah. and yeah not necessarily telling them off because at the end of the day they'll they'll learn the correct route yeah um, anyway yeah um so yeah so tell me you um uh, your siblings then like what do what do they do then they're freelance as well so what what kind of things are they into
1: so my elder sister is a photographer um right. so she does a lot of travel photography um yeah a lot of portraits she has yeah kind of that going for her and then my other sister writes walking guidebooks and has a, her own little online store selling some um not boutique but quite like nice different things um, like candles and blankets but yeah she she's writing a guidebook on the lake district at the moment so she's very outdoorsy out walking Mm -hmm. um yeah my dad was freelance as well and my mum has always had lots of jobs I've definitely got that trait in me kind of do a job for a couple of years and then kind of feel like you need to move on so my mum definitely passed that to me I'm not sure if that's good or bad um but yeah we're all very just kind of following your passion and kind of trying to make that work in life rather than following the normal just go get a secure finance job yeah
0: um yeah it
1: was
0: never yeah I get the impression like looking through I mean based on a, a lot of your siblings jobs and based on your interests as well uh, you really, you all really enjoy traveling and and yeah. getting out and experiencing new new things. Like, I mean, it, yeah, was your was your parents kind of involved in that? Do you think like were they were they big yeah. into
1: Yeah, yeah. They um after they got married, they actually rode around the world for two years. Oh wow! Um, a big bike packing tour, and I think, and then when then they moved back to the UK, had my sister and then we moved back out to Dubai where me and my brother were born and then we moved to Australia for four years where I kind of spent the first four years of my life before moving back to the UK. So I think we've all got a little bit of that bug in us and just want to go and experience as much as we can while we're still kind of young. Um, yes yeah, so it's definitely come from my mum and dad, my dad was a, a travel photographer as well so he always wanted to go to new places, see different things and yeah, I actually don't think I've got as much in me as my the rest of my siblings did. Um, maybe because I focus more on my cycling and travel is a little bit more difficult. But as I'm getting older, I definitely kind of want to go and experience and see different things that, yeah, while I'm still can at this point in my life. Um, so yeah, we definitely all got a little bit of the travel bug.
0: So um, you've all got similar-ish interests then, um, but obviously one of the, the the key differences is that you turn out to be an elite level cyclist, and yeah <laughs> you're the only one that did so how do you think that kind of forked off then so where did where did cycling come into this?
1: Um, that's a good question. My mum did some triathlons in Australia um and then I think when we moved up to the u k she started doing swimming teaching and then I just learned to swim as you do, and I was jo- joined the local running club. And then it kind of just progressed from there, really. The local running club then kind of had a triathlon section, um, which I started competing in. And I think because I was the youngest, I just kind of got thrown into what my siblings did. And um, they were kind of runners and swimmers. So I kind of did that. And then, yeah, the triathlon just developed. I think because I did start from such a young age, I was quite good when I was younger. And I think because I was good i was really enjoying it and kind of got progressed like up the categories and mm-hmm. um up until probably about 14 and then yeah i mean obviously cycling's part triathlon so then i just found the love for that more and just focused on that really so yeah i don't really know where triathlon came from apart from the fact that my mum did a couple i think mm-hmm. yeah probably that's where it came from i did lots of other sports when i was younger as well it's just cycling was probably what i was most interested in at the
0: time mm-hmm. i think i mean i went through about a, bout of, a bout of a few years of triathlon and uh, the um i think as a as a as a kid who's like majorly into fitness and competitive yeah. sport i think sometimes it's very easy to kind of look up to triathlon and think oh yeah it's it's the hardest sport because yeah. it's three, <laughs> three sports in one kind of thing so yeah I'm good for that and uh, as an, an an individual sport athlete as well you know you, you tend to like all three of those disciplines so you just yeah. think combine them is the best thing and then yeah i mean more often than not you know over the course of time you'll find a discipline which you prefer yeah. um and i i can only assume that your um passion for adventure and traveling is almost somewhat Um, dictating your love of cycling because on on a bike you can get out a lot more
1: (laughs) yeah I actually Um, remember going bikepacking when I was probably still doing triathlon and me my mum my sister went to Holland we did the whole Rotterdam ferry and did a little bikepacking trip and I think that was definitely probably one of the moments where I was realised like oh like cycling is not just about riding your bike around a circuit or something like you can actually go do some really cool stuff with it and that swimming you can't really in running, you can, but not as far. And I think that's definitely why I kind of steered more towards cycling. And even now, like that's probably one of my favorite things about riding going bikepacking, going to see new places, and just kind of riding them long days about feeling like you need to push on or anything. And mm. yeah, definitely where that's definitely come from my mum and dad, and when they went bikepacking, and yeah, that kind of sense of adventure.
0: So when you, um, when you did noticed that you there was more of a love for cycling then when you finished kind of triathlon yeah um first of all was there much crossover so you were you still racing triathlon when you were dabbling in racing bikes or
1: yeah I was I I actually got selected to be on the British cycling program the year I also got selected to like said Yorkshire for triathlon all
0: right and
1: so I had a little bit of a conflict um but basically I wasn't good enough swimmer i didn't enjoy swimming it wasn't kind of something i wanted to do every morning for an hour an hour and a half i'm just not that type of person um and then obviously when i got the opportunity to do mountain biking with british cycling that was way more tempting than doing more swimming that i needed to do um so then when i got on the program i stopped try and just focused on my cycling for a couple of years then
0: right yeah so um so you started cycling in in more of the mountain bike background, then did you? or Yeah. yeah Into in, in that discipline, and how yeah. did that how did that evolve then? So, uh, tell me about your transition from those in, like initial one or two years of competitive cycling all the way yes. through till now. Give me. I mean, it's <laughs> it feels like a long time. That but, I'll give you very
1: um, brief. Babe. I feel like yeah. I've done. Yeah, gone full circle several times. Um, I think. I, well, I got into cross because when I was in triathlon, the triathlons were on grass still. So I kind of saw maybe going to a few cross races a really good opportunity to kind of develop my skills on the grass. And then I got lent a mountain bike um, from a friend and just really enjoyed it. Kind of had a little bit of a natural talent for the skill side of it. Probably because I was brought up with my brother who was fearless and he just threw me off stuff. So kind of was lucky that that was my upbringing. Um so, yeah, I did a few mountain bike races, did much better than I ever thought I would. And, yeah, got pit for the programme and was on the programme a couple of years and then kind of decided to go back to cross. Um, Yeah. And then probably the last, probably since I was a junior, it's just seven years, I've kind of been focused on cross. And um, I just.
0: And why I do you think in, that is then? What, what, what drew you to cross more than anything else?
1: I think the scene in Yorkshire is just so friendly and there's so many people involved. And I used to love going to Yorkshire Point races. And I think that definitely had a huge part of why I picked Cross. I mean, when I got on Paul Milne's and they really kind of developed a really decent junior team, that was definitely a big deciding factor. That's when I actually decided to go back to Cross just because I knew the saddle was going to be really good and I was going to get so much support. Um, And then I did a couple of races in Belgium and I was just like, this is so cool like this is where I want to be and yeah unfortunately the mountain biking was very you had to be on BC to kind of get a pathway and I just wasn't right for their very narrow pathway (laughs) um so cross kind of gave me a lot more freedom a lot more different opportunities like I didn't need British cycling as much as you do when maybe if you do track or mountain biking so that's also something that really kind of swayed me over to cross And then, yeah, like the last last couple of years, I've kind of gone back a little bit to the road a little bit, especially crits are quite similar to crosswords. basically just that 45 to an hour full gas effort, which is kind of what I really like. So, yeah, I do really enjoy crits at the moment. Um, Yeah, I have gone very much full circle several times in my cycling, though, I think. I wouldn't say I'm an indecisive person. I think I just like to do a little bit of everything. Like I did a, a national mountain bike last year, for instance. The first one I did in like five years. Um, but yeah, cross is definitely where my heart is. I'd say even now, I'd say that that's probably still my favourite discipline. Um, yeah, I just really like the mud, I guess. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, it's um, I can I can understand that. Like you say, the first thing the first thing you said when I asked you is that it was a real friendly environment. Yeah. And- it's way
1: from the isham road (laughs) oh it
0: absolutely is yes and and that's something that i definitely noticed um you know you could be battling someone or lapping someone or being lapped by someone and uh every single person will come and have a bit of banter with you and have yeah. a, a laugh with you yeah. and like you say i mean you know that day at home for, for wherever you said it was um where you were scrambling trying to fix your bike like there'll have been so many people that were trying to help you out oh and, yeah um, yeah jumping definitely. On it. whereas
1: yeah.
0: whereas if you had that same scenario in like before a road race I'm sure everyone will be looking at you and thinking, oh no, she, like, what's she yeah. having a mare?" you know, and just, yeah, just looking at you. I know, just looks
1: at you, Just like, <laughs> is anyone going to actually volunteer to help? I remember being lapped <laughs> by um, Ian Taylor when I was younger in Yorkshire Cross, and oh, yes. I remember you used to always cheer me on, and like, yeah. I think oh, moments yeah. like that, I still look back on I'm just like, there's just so many friendly people at New Cross, yeah, there is and people. I think, I think it attracts friendly people as well, like, then if you're just naturally that type of person you are more swayed to go to cross anyway Mm. and I just really like that about it and yeah Yeah. Yorkshire's the perfect place to kind of focus on cross really
0: yeah I do yeah yeah definitely um I definitely miss that environment like unfortunately for me like I mean you're in a great position in Leeds because you you've got that kind of pool of races around you for me like it seems like the races are getting further and further away from yeah, me. Yeah, um, we're a bit exactly.
1: out on a limb. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. So it's a good, it's a good hour and a half, nearly two hours to get to any of the races, like even on a, of an e- evening and it becomes a little yeah. bit harder to get to. But yeah. every time I do and any, any time that I do justify the traveling, um, like I, I remember why I do it. It's just such a laugh. Yeah. And especially, I mean, um, in recent years, I've done more of the summer series than the winter series, but like, Especially on a on an evening where you know you finish racing uh, at Yorkshire Cross at like half eight at night, by the time you're setting off it's like nine o'clock, and the whole drive home like it's like an hour and forty minutes at like nine o'clock at night. I'm just smiling from ear to ear. Yeah. It's just absolutely brilliant. It just puts you in such a good mood. Yeah, it does. Um, but um, but yeah. So so that was kind of uh, how how cycling and and specifically cyclocross cross kind of came into into it. Um. When we kind of got to the the level that we're we're at now, then or the last couple of years, uh, racing at elite level, um, how was that experience for you in general? Um, like that very tip of the iceberg, kind of very competitive um, element of of racing bikes.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I do, I do really enjoy racing at the top. That's kind of always be my aim of racing like I do get the enjoyment out of racing but I if I wasn't competitive I probably wouldn't race like that's not what I go to races for I'd rather just go out on my bike um so yeah racing for me has always kind of been about pushing the limits and kind of seeing where I can get to and yeah I did manage to get to the top of the cross scene in the UK um yeah and it is hard like people say oh once you're there you're going to stay there but it, it doesn't always work like that and it's constantly trying to push your limits and improve you just never know who's coming up or who's gonna make a drastic improvement over winter and yeah it kind of keeps yours on your toes but that kind of training is the tr- training I really liked I really liked being pushed and kind of seeing new limits for myself um Yeah, I did find racing in Belgium really tough. I think that was always a little bit of a mental block I had, probably from quite a young age. I remember being told when I was quite young that I just wasn't suited to racing in Belgium. And I think that was maybe one of the things that kind of stuck with me, even to like last year. Every time I went out there, I just seemed to really struggle. And I think a lot of British riders do. I think unless you've kind of thrown yourself in and maybe done a whole winter there, just going back and forth. It is really hard to make improvements out there, and even though in the uk I was racing really well and probably the fittest I've ever been, I'd go to Belgium and still be going the same place that I was coming when I was almost nineteen
0: well, um, think that is then where, where what's where's the difference so for for riders that might listen to this podcast where they are thinking of going and racing over in Belgium or they yeah. are cur- currently racing in Belgium and they do similar to you that they struggle a little bit more why do you think that is the the case
1: i think the courses are just so different the uk courses do tend to be quite flat quite power-based um yeah or sometimes quite slow even but the races in belgium like i remember going to some of the races and the descents were like basically mountain bike descents I remember Mm. thinking like I should not be on my cross bike right now like I'm (laughs) just not on the right type of bike for this race and then you just get yeah the the descents the uphills it's just so much more punchy it's just a completely different type of riding your bike and I think I never really grasped that difference I think I always kind of focused on being really good in the UK and probably never kind of sacrificed them results for the races abroad like you get some of the top british racers that race abroad really well and they might not race as well in the uk And it's just because it's just completely different and i think that's why the dutch and the, the belgians um have so many good riders coming through because they're just like submerged in that environment from being 16 rather than the british riders unless you go spend some time out there like really do just like dab in and out and you might go over there and not get a very good result come back just kind of forget almost forget about it and not really train for them races because you kind of focus on the UK scene Mm. I think I think the UK is getting better like we've got a lot more riders that are going to Belgium and kind of performing much better um but it definitely is a problem with just the courses I would say but it is really hard like we don't have massive sand dunes in the UK or like the venues we have are just not like the venues they have in Belgium so it is a bit of a yeah, I'm not really sure how it's going to be resolved apart from I just encourage people to go to Belgium as soon as possible, really, just to kind of get that almost kind of like slap in the face of reality of what crosses like out there because it's so different. The level's just so different. There's 100 girls on the start list rather than maybe a, a national, there might be 30, which is really good for UK numbers, but it's just completely different to being pushed from behind, literally um a lever up your bum on the start line it's just like a completely different experience but <laughs> yeah it is something to love but I definitely did have a love-hate relationship with it and I think now because I'm not racing in Belgium I can kind of look back and say that rather than when I was doing it at the time I was always like no I like racing in Belgium I can will yeah, get yeah. better but now yeah. looking back I'm like yeah. I can kind of see what I probably should have done but yeah I mean it's all in hindsight isn't it and that's yeah probably advise younger riders from, to learn from my experience
0: what was your favorite course out in Belgium then
1: um I always really liked Namur. I always found that one really fun lots of cool descents it was quite scary I remember every lap there was this one descent that everyone used to dread and when you got down that descent you could just like really like just released so much stress yeah basically and i really liked it because it had long climbs and you could really work yourself into that race like if you didn't have the best starts there was enough features on the course to kind of ride yourself up um yeah i think limo would probably definitely be my favorite course
0: Mm -hmm. so we've talked a lot um in the last 10 minutes or so about cyclocross um with regards to the road then um because I, I am mindful that um for the years that I've known you at least you know the priority has been the winter season but then yeah. in the summer season you do a little bit of mountain bike racing and yeah. then in recent in recent years especially you've done a lot more crit racing and road racing um Tell me about your experiences with Crit and Road, um, what you enjoy most and what you've learned over the process of that.
1: Yeah, um, I kind of went back onto the road scene when I joined my team Spectra and we got into tour series, which is something I've never done. And it was kind of really exciting for me to kind of hear all these stories about tour series, good and bad and scary and exciting. Um yeah in the last couple of years i've done races like sickle and lincoln and i did national champs last year and then did all the tour series and all the national um crits and i did really enjoy it i actually enjoyed it way more than i thought i was gonna and i actually really got into the crit scene and yeah last year together we were kind of really aiming for them top results at like the otley um so close to that podium which i still want um maybe this year (laughs) um but, yeah, I just really like the crit scene. I think it's just less tactical than the roads. You don't have to think as much. You just kind of do. And that's kind of what I like from Cross. Um, yeah, roads probably did have a bit of a love-hate relationship with. I used to find I get a little bit bored in road races. It wasn't as exciting for me and, like, as stimulating. Um, But I did... I could get good results on the road, which is why I think I always was, like, did still do the races, even though they weren't my most enjoyable races. But, yeah, the crits are something I definitely still have a bit of a desire to kind of get a little bit better at and see where I can get this year on that.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, the the Tour Series then, I mean, from the outside looking in, very, very frantic racing. um, And... um, very exhilarating to watch. Um, yeah, and I remember obviously a lot of it was televised, and I was watching it live on YouTube as you were racing uh, when I was coaching you. And uh, yeah, like I mean, it was just as hard of a job trying to trying to find you. Yeah, yeah, it is very but, hectic. Yeah, and um, obviously with the crit racing, from my own experiences, uh, you know, a lot of the time it's 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 a lot about positioning and 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 making sure that you. You know, if you're not going forward, you're going back. the the whole yeah. that that whole quote. Um, and uh, yeah, I think you found the first few pretty tough and like a bit yeah. of a shock, and then you kind of really got into it, didn't you? And and, yeah. and ended up doing really well.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So I've kind of skipped skipped ahead a little bit, but um, going back to growing up, then um, talking about you know childhood, going into like starting education and so on and so forth. And a, a, a lot of people find this hard to answer. When I was asked this on a podcast, I I struggled to think. But was there any challenging experiences or or major life lessons you had growing up which you fat you like really struggled to overcome, or or again potentially helped kind of define who you are as a person?
1: I think definitely being taken off the program with British Cycling was definitely a defining moment. Um. It was really hard at the time. I remember there being a lot of back and forth emails and trying to negotiate with them almost. Um, Yeah, it was really tough, especially because they took two girls and six boys. And like, I just never really got my head around how that was fair. And I think I kind of felt like it just, it wasn't fair. And they did tell me that they wanted to put me on and they just didn't have the funds. And I think I even found that even more difficult because it wasn't like I wasn't good enough. It was just, they just picked voice over the girls, unfortunately. I think they're much better now. Um, but yeah, that definitely was a big deciding factor. I did one more year of mountain biking after that, nearly got picked for Worlds. And then basically was just like, I just can't keep almost begging at British Cycling to select me. I was just so fed up and so emotionally drained from it. It's quite draining when you're always kind of relying on someone else to kind of pick you for the races and to give you that opportunity. So that's kind of when I went back to cross, which looking back now was probably meant to be, but at the time it was really difficult and I didn't really know what I was going to do. I didn't really know where my place in the sport was. Um, And luckily I did have some really good people around me to kind of keep me in the sport and keep me, kind of focus me back on cross. And it was actually the year that Milton Keynes came to the UK the World Cup so that was a really good kind of focus for me after being yeah after being taken off the programme really um yeah that was probably one of the hardest things in my cycling other than that it's just kind of selection based things where you're just highly stressed about (laughs) um race selections and stuff like that but yeah now I'm older I can kind of see that like it's not in your hands you just have to let it be and kind of let go of it but at the time when you're it's all you want it's really difficult to kind of still believe in yourself when someone's basically telling you you're not good enough um yeah so that's probably probably one of the hardest things some race selections and some kind of turn backs where yeah you just don't really know where to go from there
0: it's something that i struggle with as a coach actually um is that those individuals that are coach who are at that level, who are, um, their whole season is based on selection. Yeah, I mean, you can't the top plan top. anything. <laughs> no, they, no, I mean, I, I, there's a couple of times last year where one of my athletes was an hour in whether he was going to get on selection for um, Mountain Bike World Cup, and he literally didn't know until about six days before. Yeah. Um, and then, like, yeah, ended up, like, he was selected for one, but then not the other one and so on. And, and like, it was all up and down whether he was going to go or not. And obviously, from a, an athlete's perspective, you've got a plan that they are going. So you yeah, kind of get yeah. the form, form good. And like, yeah. it's very likely that they do. And then, and then it's coping with the, the mentality of suddenly deciding that you're not going. And, and then, yeah. okay, well, what do you do with it? Like, you know, you find another race in the UK that you're going to go and smash instead. Yeah. That year went. That year when you focused on Milton Keynes, then how did that go?
1: Yeah, that went well. Um, got selected, had a good result. Um, just yeah, just kind of knew that that was where I was supposed to be at that time. Um, yeah, and just kind of threw myself into cross after that. Got selected for a couple more world cups. Um, I kind of had to use. That was actually probably one of my best years at cross. I kind of used the frustration and almost wanted to turn around and British the face and just be like like kind of not I told you so but kind of like i can do it without you almost um so yeah i did have a really good year that year it's actually the year that i won the national series and junior national champ. so okay. kind of really wanted to just kind of prove myself and just be like i am good enough um yeah but british cycling is a, a bowler coast of a ride even up to last year like selections were still so unsure and it's just it just never gets easier when you kind of wait for that then emails to come through to say that you can race at the weekend or something um so yeah i can imagine as a coach's perspective it's just as frustrating as a rider
0: i feel like this really um stems in nicely to your coaching really because i feel like as a rider over the course of uh, you know 10 12 years of racing you you've learned so much and you've learned probably more than a lot of riders have done in terms of the peaks and troughs both yeah physically and emotionally and and so on um how to deal with those different aspects of it um, yeah. and overcome them how to train for these different disciplines i know you were you were, you've, you've had a few coaches over that period of time as well and and yeah. you've kind of learned from those coaches kind of you know what what the the good things about them and the bad things about them and yeah how far to push athletes and so on um but for you then like talking a bit more about the coaching then where does this relationship or the edge coaching fall into all this and 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 why did you decide to go ahead with it this year
1: yeah I think coaching is always something I've been really interested by like you said I've had quite a lot of coaches um kind of learn something different from everyone and kind of realise that everyone has a different perspective on it and it's not kind of one plan fits all there are lots of different interpretations and different paths to get the athlete fitter and it's not always the same for everyone it doesn't always work for everyone as well and I think with my cycling I'm kind of in a place where I'm more interested in kind of want to pass on my knowledge and my experiences to others and The good and the bad, like everyone can learn something from kind of something I've experienced and almost if I can avoid them experiencing it, um, that's kind of something I really want to do. Kind of want to help riders develop and just get the best that they can be. Like for me, cycling was also always quite personal. Although I did want results, I always wanted to improve myself. And like, I just loved training and going out and riding really well. And sometimes that kind of gave me more pleasure than a race result um and yeah I've always just loved riding my bike and I kind of want to pass that on to the next generation or people who have just come into cycling and a little bit older um so yeah I think this year because I finished uni I had a bit more free time kind of taking a little bit of a different direction in my own personal cycling and I just kind of felt like it was a perfect opportunity to pass on what I have learned from more from the more like traditional pathways of road and cross um to the youngers or but like I said people who are just starting and yeah I just kind of felt like it was the right time to do something a bit different um so yeah I'm going to take a different path in my cycling and then I'm also really excited to kind of get a bit more involved in the coaching side of cycling but still be involved in the cross scene and the road scene just from the other side of the barrier this time I
0: know we talked about before the podcast I think I just heard (laughs) you (laughs) <laughs> he's had a bark now as well <laughs> i was gonna say i think i just heard duke had a shake um, and <laughs> I, I just about heard it over the mic <laughs> we just
1: got what? the no sorry. Right. can you hear
0: him growl i can hear him barking a bit i can't hear a growl no okay that's good no, What's going on? Is someone at the door?
1: I don't think so. I think he's just barking. Just ignore him. <laughs>
0: just random. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I mean, yeah. The, the, so I, I like to hear that this this change in direction and and it all makes sense. So I know there'll be a lot of people listening to this that are then you know they've they've heard or they know about you in recent years. And there'll be a burning question in there is on on where do you go with your cycling now and what is this change of direction? Will you be racing cross next year and <laughs> um, what are you doing through the summer? So uh, you might not necessarily be, ans- be able to answer that hard and fast. But um, yeah. but what's, what is what is going to be the general spin on things for the next like 12 months?
1: Um, I've had lots of questions about the cross scene and my... Current answer is no, I will not be returning to cross. I just kind of felt like I'd done everything I could do to be as good as I could be. And going back with less time, less energy to train and put into it, I just don't think I'd be doing myself justice. I think almost kind of being there done that for me, like cross rods, very performance based and if I'm not gonna be able to compete at the level I was competing at, like, I just don't think I'm gonna get the same enjoyment out of it. Um, kind of the same with roads, just don't really have the time and the kind of the resources to kind of give a road season a full we'll go anymore. Um kind of finish uni need to kind of get a bit more of a work cycling balance rather than working at uni, which is very different than actual work. Um so yeah, I think a bit more of the gravel scene bit more fun UK events, some kind of cool European events, way more chilled, way more um just kind of fun events, I'd call them. Like yeah, I am still riding quite a lot, but not like what I used to doing. I'm not doing sessions. I'm not kind of I don't wake up and feel the need to ride every day. Um kind of way more just when I can and what kind of suits with the weather. What I'm doing the rest of my day, so yeah, I think from now the next twelve on, yeah, the next till September or October. My plan is kind of start doing some gravel events. April, maybe end of uh, March, and then do some gravel events all summer. Do some ones abroad, and then I'm gonna do a bit of a crip block between end of June and beginning of August. Um, kind of gonna condense it to that. I just have to be really, really fit for five, six weeks, um, which is way more kind of doable with the job and everything else to do that than kind of trying to be fit all year. So, yeah, that's my current plan. So you definitely see me on some national crits outlines. Um, Not sure I'll be up there like last year, but hopefully I can get as fit as I can for them. So yeah I
0: mean not you might you may', you may surprise yourself I think yeah, I think maybe
1: less is more, <laughs>
0: yeah, well, you know what I've learned, and I remember having this conversation with Cav on the previous podcast, like you know a good eighty percent of it is just enjoyment and and having fun into it, and it's it's only the twenty percent cherry on the top is is all the kind of very specific yeah. sessions, and yeah,
1: exactly, and if I keep yeah. that base, like I should be fine to kind of give myself a little bit of top end yeah um i still do have a bit of a, mo- a bit of a motivation to see how good i can get on crits like last year we got four for oakley and like i really wanted that podium and like even looking back now i get flashbacks, and i'm like should have <laughs> just gone a bit earlier and if i just yeah. went a bit earlier like i just don't know what could happen and i just don't want to finish racing and always have them like what it's in my head yeah i just want to do one more year of crits um yeah, I don't know how long term my cycling, my personal cycling, will go on. Um, I don't want to say too much just because I'm just so unsure, really. Mm. But yeah, definitely still want to do it this year. Do some different events, kind of just yeah, kind of just new and exciting things for me. Like crosses, kind of being there, done that. Road just don't generally have an interest for. So kind of just gonna do what I want to do this year. And kind of going into more of like a freestyle race programme. Um yeah. So like
0: the gravel, the gravel scene sounds like obviously as we know it's getting bigger and bigger every year and uh, and I've seen a lot of the events that are popping up this year. There's a there's a few new ones that um sound really cool and uh yeah. like I mean it, it was it Gravel Nationals you did last last year and you surprised yourself with yeah. this s second place or something. Yeah. Was it seconds um, you got? Yeah
1: I got seconds, yeah it was a a big surprise. That was I would call that a bit of a survival race. I basically just did not want to ride on my own. And the only way I wasn't going to ride on my own was if I stuck with that front group. (laughs) And I think that each lap, I was like, just do another lap with them. Like, it would just be so much easier than having to ride on your own. And yeah, I really surprised myself, really enjoyed it. Like, I joked after and was like, my heart rate was like 20 beats lower on the start line than normal. I was like, it's either because I've not warmed up or because I'm super chilled. And I was like, either one, I'm just like, I just liked it. Everyone like no one asked you where you came after. No one really asked you how your race went. Everyone within two or three minutes was just like, yeah, let's go get our free beer and let's just go get some pizza. And it was just Yeah. It was just so refreshing and I can see why a lot of people are going that way. And it's just Yeah, I think I think a lot of people who are gonna come from the race scene are gonna go that way, especially people who are maybe not getting much out of the racing like maybe not getting paid or not kind of being the key rider in the team like why would you just keep doing that if you're not getting out anything out of it rather than the gravel you just get so much enjoyment and it's a whole new group of people and it's just really refreshing and yeah I think I think there'll be a lot of people this year that you'll see kind of go that way and in the years to come as well.
0: Yeah it's definitely on the up how would you just out of my own curiosity really because I've never I've only done one, what I'll say is a gravel race, but it, it was very, very early on when it started to kind of form. Um, and a lot's happened since then, but how would you describe a gravel race? As, I mean, especially at that kind of end of like the national events, like if, is it kind of just like a road race off road in terms of um. how it's, how it's performed and how the effort feels?
1: I would say that people are way more committed to not staying in a group, like on the road. I mean, I know that the men's national champs, there was a really big group. Rather than the women's, there was a group of four of us pretty much from the gun that just went. And I don't think you'd get that in road races. So I think I'll, I think that the people who do gravel are the type of people that would go out and do 100k on their own. They just that, are that type of personalities and i think that does reflect in the racing like people aren't scared to ride 150k as a two-up time trial like on the road i would definitely not be up for that rather than on the gravel i'm a little bit more like oh yeah yeah, yeah. i don't know i don't know what it is about it it's just it is different to the road
0: well i think there's more there's more at play with regards to people's um ability to pick a line ability to handle a bike as well so for example you know I would be a lot more confident in a group of 40 lads on the road than I would off-road simply yeah. because like it only takes one or two of those lads off-road to just like, yeah, you know, not be able to handle or take a corner a bit stupid. Yeah. And then like everyone can kind of get round the road race in terms of yeah. handling, but not a lot of people, you know, people might not be a little bit more nervous on a on a rough corner or whatever and then suddenly you know everyone's down so yeah once you find a couple of riders who are just as good at handling as you are you can learn from them and you can quite easily kind of pick it off so no that makes a lot of sense um, go on
1: so i think a lot of people who are super strong on the road then don't know how to use that power off road i think because i've learned that from cross i was like way more efficient than some of the Some of the girls in the race, some of the girls in the group in the race should have been able to ride away from me. But because they didn't really know how to use their power off road, I did manage to stay with them. And I think that's something that I'll have to use in gravel this year. Kind of use that from cross and use my power wisely because there might not be as much as it anymore. But if you can use it in the right places, there's no reason why you can't kind of stay with the group.
0: So um, your work, life balance now then and obviously the training and let's call it riding that you are doing now um how does that all intertwine then like now would you say i mean purely by looking at what you're doing on strava and conversations with you it kind of it looks like yeah you're just kind of riding for enjoyment when it suits you um, yeah a a few long rides with your group of girls and so on um and then, um, yeah, how does it all kind of fit in and, and where are your priori- priorities at the minute?
1: Um, That's a good question. I am still trying to find, like, the life, work, balance, riding, everything. Um, So basically work-wise, I'm doing coaching and then I'm also doing sports massage from um a spare room in our house. So kind of doing them two as, what I'd call maybe work and then my cycling kind of does fit in around that like at the moment I am still quite flexible with time so kind of taking advantage of that and trying to ride a little bit more if I can and yeah like you said there's some good groups there's a really good group on a Wednesday and there's a really good group on a Sunday so kind of already scheduling my riding around them two rides anyway I quite a long period of time where I wasn't riding very frequently and now that I am I do find that I need way more recovery anyway which kind of fits in quite nicely with work because some days I'm like, oh, I probably should ride today, but probably should do some work. And if I'm a bit tired, it just kind of makes sense just to not ride rather than before I would have probably prioritised my riding. Um, So, yeah, I am still trying to find that balance. Um, But, yeah, like like you said, at the moment, I'm just kind of riding when I can, just for how long I can. both to do with work and both to do with how long my legs can last at the moment for example when i out yesterday and two hours felt like I did five hours I was just in a bit of a struggle chamber um but yeah it's it is really exciting to try and be balancing stuff and I like being busy the busier I am I actually find that I strive a bit more with things and just way more efficient with my time and I just seem to do everything way better than if I've got all day to do it I'll just I'll still do it in the morning but I'll just drag it out and just something that might take me an hour I could just do it over two hours just because I've got the time Mm. um but yeah I mean when I get a little bit more towards some of the gravel races I'm gonna do I might be away a little bit more which will be kind of cool to kind of obviously coaching I can do when I'm away and yeah just this year is all about kind of working it all out i don't really have a set answer for you so it's all a bit confusing no no it
0: um, makes sense yeah but it is so, a bit i com- mean it, it's taken me really, like so long to figure out what works best for me in terms yeah. of like that balance and i'm still yeah. figuring it out i'm not suggesting that <laughs> um and it the reality is it's forever changing as well yeah like, always always changing yeah um and uh yeah i mean like for example for me i know that um i work really really well first thing on the morning nice and early so yeah i often um yeah i often get what i call my deep work done like first thing like the priorities um but then i also know that for me to work efficiently i need to get some fresh air and some daylight in me in the morning so yeah um, i think you do the same just based on that little reel that you did on instagram earlier i think like doing a dog walk in the morning and just yeah. getting a bit of fresh air and yeah sunlight it, it kind of tends to really help me so I, I tend to do like a couple of hours work first thing between like six and eight and then i do a nice little dog walk get some fresh air then another couple of hours and then by that time it's like late morning and then that's when i'll usually train and get yeah. my get my riding, and then like I know by the time I get back from that ride, the the needs, must priorities are definitely done. Yeah. Um, and then I can kind of fill the rest of the afternoon in with like the, the less priority stuff, but then the stuff that needs to be done in the background. Yeah. Um, and it, it's like every day's like I say, every day is different for me. Like some days Millie goes to nursery, some days she doesn't, some days yeah. Becky's at home, some days she's not. So, it, yeah, it, it's never the same. But. Um, and then you've also got weather to contend with in, in, in yeah the options. So, yeah definitely like, yeah so like depending on what the weather's doing I might not ride in the morning I might ride later on but yeah I am be.
1: definitely like that yeah
0: yeah if but, I know like
1: one day is going to be wet I'm like okay I'll just try and get loads of work done that day
0: yeah
1: Because mm. I might as well use my time like that at the moment and exactly yeah yeah I mean I and guess that's my the be-
0: um, that's the benefit yeah. of having this kind of this freedom that this this job allows for this flexibility yeah and you know if in the middle of summer you know if if some of your mates say or do you fancy a real long hundred mile ride and it's a glorious day like and they give you like a day a day um notice like you can easily do it and then just know that yeah you need to crack on like before in um so yeah it's that's the benefit of this kind of work i guess and yeah. and realistically like from one of the first questions i asked you about how you your upbringing was it it makes complete sense in terms of working that lifestyle out um yeah so yeah i mean was there i mean one thing that i've kind of um with listening to a lot of your answers um there's a lot of the kind of same thing on um, like you're learning from every experience that you've ever had, whether that be in racing, in training, in competition, in yeah. in in day-to-day life. So, was there anything with regards to your mindset that you maybe wish you adopted sooner in life? I think a, diffic- a difficult question. I appreciate.
1: Yeah, <laughs> maybe to not care as much about what other people think, or. Dwell on things that you might pe- think people might care about because, at the end of the day, like if you are happy with what you're doing, like you shouldn't really care if there's judgment around you. I think I felt quite when I was full time cycling, I felt a lot of judgment that I had to be performing really well to kind of justify it. And even now, like I really struggled this year because I wasn't really sure what I was doing with my cycling, and I was just kind of thinking all the time, Oh, I wonder if people look at me and think oh what like what's she doing she's not good enough to be doing that and I felt so much pressure to kind of make a black or white decision and I've actually probably gone down grey kind of in the middle of it all in the end but I think I just always felt pressure to please everyone or not get judged by loads of people about what I was doing and what was right for me and I think most of the time I kind of was making it up in my head. Like, when I spoke to people, people were like, no, like, please keep racing. Like, we really like seeing the scene. And I just think that I felt like everyone didn't think I was good enough to keep racing. Um, so that's definitely something I really struggled with. And, yeah, I mean, I can say that I'm like that, but even now I still feel a lot of judgment from people about my cycling or, like, what I'm doing in life. And, yeah. I think that's kind of when I look at my family and I'm just like, no, this in our family, this is quite normal. It's just and it's not judged like my sisters have never judged me trying to be a cyclist or kind of going out and doing two jobs with my cycling and having a dog. And they've just never it's never really been questioned in my family, even though I feel like the outside world would question it. Um, so, yeah, I think judgment is definitely something that everyone struggles with, really, but it's definitely something I struggle with. Probably as I've got older and kind of a little bit more aware of, um, yeah, the more normal pathways in life. I guess.
0: At the end of the day, those that those that decide to judge you, if there is anyone, it's it's just because it might not necessarily fit well in their head. Yeah. That, that's not to suggest that it's the wrong way of doing things or or that it shouldn't be done. Um, yeah. Everyone's got different opinions on on how life should be followed and um, and what the priorities should be, but. In my eyes, like it sounds like you've got you're absolutely grounded in your in your priorities really, you know? Um Yeah. I always doing... think as
1: well like people look on social media and think they know what's happening in your whole life. And like they don't and there's so much going on and you do so much more than what people might think you do and it's yeah, I think a lot of people thought I was full time cycling for the last two or three years and it's like I actually no, I did a degree and like you don't actually know everything about me, it's just you just kind of take about what I put out on social media and think that you can like know what I'm doing in life. And it's like, people, you know what I mean? Like, social media is good, but also people can definitely be quite judgy on it from what they see, and it's not.
0: Well, yeah it's, it's the highlight reel into it's Yeah exactly it, it's not what you're not you're not going to you're not going to be putting uh, a picture of you studying at half nine at oh, not, not interesting this, um, <laughs> <on there? laughs> so uh and uh so yeah like I mean and the amount of times you know again you as an as an elite athlete and also studying um and like I can definitely understand to a certain degree about this not to the same extent because i was nowhere near elite level but when you've just come in from a five hour long ride and um, all you want to do is just put your feet up and eat and sleep but you know that you've got four hours worth of studying and you've got an assignment to submit the next day or whatever it might be the best like I've, I've been there and that is some <laughs> hard hard hours like yeah it is. you know just just it's to that get place. Um, yeah, it is. Um, and like i've i've been known to like you know come back and get a shower and then you know you, you try and like try and get into your deep work and uh you're just like falling asleep at the desk and you're yeah. like come on and get a coffee down me and so on and yeah so yeah it's definitely um it's definitely more more than people see um but um but yeah so i'm i'm very mindful that um yeah of time we've been we've been talking for a little while now um but uh I, i'd like to just quickly go in go into the coaching a little bit more because we've talked a lot about your cycling which i wanted to do um yeah the like from a free from a female coach perspective and from your perspective, um, what do you hope to bring to the edge coaching Um, and um, like, yeah, what what's what are you hoping to get out of uh, coaching with the edge?
1: I think what I'm hoping to get out of it is I still want to learn. I'm still very new to it. And I think one of the main reasons why I wanted to join the edge was to kind of develop me more as a coach as well. From a personal point of view, like, I love helping people. I've always kind of liked passing on knowledge and my expertise and kind of being questioned about things that I kind of know about. Um, But, yeah, it is also a personal development and kind of feel like I'm on this journey with my athletes so we can both become better. And I just think, yeah, joining a company where it's already established that... Yeah, it's bringing me confidence already, and I already feel more confident in what I'm doing. And athletes can kind of just be, yeah, just be more confident in the whole kind of system. Um, what I want to bring, or what was the question? What I want to bring, or what I want to get
0: from a female perspective? What do you from a female coach's perspective? What do you hope to bring to the edge?
1: Just hope to bring some female expertise, really. I mean from being coached with you like you were really on it and you were the only coach that actually asked me some female specific questions but even you don't understand some of it because you just don't experience for example a period or like hormonal swings and like I do experience that and I think that's kind of where I can really use being a female <laughs> um to help other female athletes who might struggle with training around the period or even racing on it and Just the fluctuation in the hormones during the cycle, I just understand it way more because I go through it as well. And I can kind of say, oh, I feel like that at that point in my cycle, like that's normal. It's not something to worry about. It's not because you're overtraining or undertraining. It's just to do with your body. And I kind of want to bring that to the edge. And also just want to pass on my cross knowledge to younger. I really want to help the next generation come up and help them develop. Um, that's also something I'm really keen to do now that I'm coaching and kind of at the other side of watching races, I guess.
0: Mm, yeah, good. I mean, like, I, the, the way I like to describe my personal coaches is, my personal coaches is that I I feel like I am becoming a bit of a jack of all trades. Like, I know, I know a lot about uh or a fair amount about all the different disciplines because yeah. I have raced all the different disciplines yeah but I haven't been invested in one discipline uh, or a couple of disciplines as long as you have yeah and I've also not been to the level that you have so I think um not that I mean again like of course like road races and time trialists and everything like that there's a lot of crossover and And you will definitely have a lot of, um, experience and fundamental knowledge behind those disciplines, but specifically about cyclocross as well. Like, you know, there's a, if you're, you know, for those kind of, for those girls who are like coming up through the ranks and need that hand up of someone who has been there, but then also knows the fundamental physiological knowledge behind how to get there. Yeah. um, I think you'll, you'll bring a lot of that kind of real specific knowledge into the, into the. Um, Thing so um right let's um tie that up a little bit then um yeah. in the last couple of days i've put up on my social media, media channels if anyone had any questions for you knowing that you were coming on the podcast now we have been talking for a fair amount of time so what i'll say for all of these questions mirror is that I want your shortest form answer. So these okay. aren't to be quite lengthy answers. <laughs> okay. um, they could, I won't they think could, as
1: much. <laughs>
0: yeah, they they could be a couple of words or okay. they could be a couple of sentences. But okay. um, try and keep them quite short and snappy because it keeps it interesting as well. You have yeah. to kind of think on the spot. Question number one. Um, what sort of athlete are you most excited to coach?
1: I would say young Younger riders, younger than me, maybe junior or under 23 rants.
0: OK, perfect. That's good because uh, sometimes they make me m- most nervous with my coaching. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I'd be more intimidated by someone who's older than me. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh Question number two, what are your thoughts about avocado on porridge?
1: No, <laughs> just no.
0: <laughs> so that was asked by maddie because um she when i put on my stories oh i like sent I was, it
1: her i think oh, I did sent her, yeah i sent her your story and was like what are yeah. you going to think about this <laughs>
0: you both had the same comment um,
1: um
0: in my defense the porridge was chocolate flavored porridge
1: i like made a mix <laughs> av-
0: avocado with uh chocolate goes really well so um
1: <laughs> if you haven't tried
0: before give it just a Tom,
1: just <laughs>
0: <laughs> question number three how do you grow and this is going to be quite hard to answer in a short form but how do you grow confidence descending for specifically female riders and i'll give you a little bit of background to help you out yeah it's uh one of my friends who's also a coach um and basically, his wife or partner is definitely 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 not confident in descending at all okay. and she uses loses a lot of time um on any descent um so how would you uh grow confidence descending for female riders
1: um I mean it's a bit of an obvious one, but I just say practice just start almost going down something you know you can go down and just keep going down that and increase your speed on something you feel really comfortable on before kind of progressing to something that you're already going to feel nervous on um one thing i would say is speed actually can be your friend it's not always a scarier thing sometimes when you hit things with more speed you actually feel more secure going over it Um, But yeah, I'd say start small, build up confidence on that before progressing to something steeper or bigger, for instance.
0: That is a good answer. Yeah, I I think um, it's 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 a hard one for someone to get their head around. Well, it is for me. Um, and it may be for a lot of people who are already very confident at descending and it just comes yeah. naturally yeah. to put yourself in their shoes. But, like, there's some times I've seen it, you know, visually where people are literally shaking just at the thought yeah. of going down a hill. Yeah. Um, as you say, start on something that you're already confident at and master that skill and then slowly progress up to something that's slightly, slightly harder each time. Yeah. Um, And like, I mean, yeah, perfect. I mean, speed is often your friend. Like the the faster I go down a descent, often the more planted your bike and the more smooth it feels. Yeah. Um, Especially if it's off road as well. But I think this person's talking about road. Um, Number four, what training sessions do you enjoy and what do you dread?
1: I dreaded underovers, still dread them. <laughs> um, I enjoyed I enjoyed doing sprints or I used to quite like sweet spot tempo kind of longer efforts as well. I, used to did, I did used to enjoy the turbo. I used to be like, hey, just an hour. You can do an hour and like you can suffer for it and then it's done. <laughs> so I used to always enjoy them as well
0: um question number five <laughs> who would win in a cross race you or tom
1: oh i'd say you i thought he was gonna say me or Duke.
0: <laughs> i oh. think
1: i think you'd have me over power probably skill as well to be fair
0: you know what amira right i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna admit something right now and this is um it's <laughs> quite hard to admit so when I used to race national cross um i like I mean I was doing okay on the kind of uh, the local races, but when I went into that step up to national, I was kind of scraping top twenties um, yeah. and I used to come home like on the drive home like thinking ah oh, you know uh, you know uh, what's the next gonna be the next thing um anyway, one of my things that I used to do is I used to compare, compare (laughs) my, you probably all know what I'm going to say, I used to try and compare my lap times to the women female elite lap times. Oh really? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just out of curiosity to see how I would have done. Um, Would
1: you have
0: won? Admittedly yeah, there was, there was like, so I was getting kind of like roughly 20th, 18th, 19th, 20th place and admittedly I was kind of about Ten seconds or so quicker than yeah. um, the elite female, but at the end of the day, yeah, that that is unfortunately the the difference, male female differences, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, to say that, you know, comparatively in genders, yeah, you are above and beyond what I could get to. Um, <laughs> it's unfortunately just that that male female discrepancies, uh, which I've talked about in previous podcasts. Yeah.
1: Um. Ten seconds isn't that bad, though. I'm quite impressed with myself that I wouldn't have yeah, thought it would the, be more like 30. Yeah, <laughs>
0: absolutely. More. No. no, it's, um, I think a, a lot of it would be, uh, would be cost dependent as well. Um, yeah, that's true, yeah. And, uh, I think, yeah, you, like, looking back, you were, you were really, I mean, similar to me, I guess, in terms of riding style, but you were really good at, like, short, sharp, punchy, climbing courses. Yeah. Um, you know, where it's kind of on and off power all the time, um, but, um, but yeah, I mean to be fair, I Amira, mean, like you at your best. Um I mean I was quite intermittent with some of my, my years, like you at your best, you were <laughs> consistently a lot better. So
1: Um
0: Number six, things to involve in a specific cross skills session. What would you involve? Um number one, figure of
1: eight. Basically you draw a figure of eight with your bike you start big and you get smaller you can do it clockwise and anti-clockwise it's just really good for kind of like planting your bike in while going around quite a sharp corner um and then when you get much better you can you'll figure out that you can actually pedal all the way around it as well the figure of eight mounts and dismounts i just don't think you can ever do too much practice of it bunny hopping over small things like i think you don't need to Like I could never bunny hop a plank, but if there was a little log in the way, like getting over that is so time efficient. Like you just save so much time, and it's only something quite small as well. And then I'd say clipping in. I'd say the start of trying to. It's. It doesn't have to be a hard effort, but just like getting your foot in the right position, getting your pedal in the right position, choosing your gear. Gears are so important on the start. Kind of figuring out where you can clip it in before you can start pushing with both feet. Um, so yeah, they're the kind of the staple things that I set. That, um, one of my uh, athletes is doing cross at the moment and they're some of the things that I get to do every single session just to kind of keep in touch with like basic skills. Because once you have the basics, it's way easier to kind of go to a course and use them to kind of use on the other features rather than if you don't have them basic skills um kind of progressing is much harder
0: one thing that i'll admit to is that um when i when i was racing cross um i was too involved in the training the power the f- physiology the numbers and everything like that and i neglected the skills element so yeah. i like I would, like, come off a road season and just think, oh, I'm fit off the road. Uh, Yeah. Do a little bit of cross riding, and then I'm going to be okay on the cross. And then the first few rounds, like, my mounts, dismounts, and and everything in between would be would be shocking. And, yeah, I mean, I might gain two seconds on a straight because I'm fit, but then I'd lose two seconds on a stupid, like, just getting back on my bike.
1: I think Um, people forget how much time you can lose from basic things. And, like, I've been – I've done it before as well where – my like, God, oh, it's only a corner, or, like, it's something so small, but actually, if you ride behind someone who's really good at taking that corner, you'd be surprised how big the gap can get, and that can be, that can be it, then they can be off, and yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah, and the problem is, as well, like, I mean, uh, for those athletes who are, like, thoroughbred road racers, and then they go on to the cross season, I mean, they're working so much harder just to keep yeah. the same kind of pace, yeah. and um, it's, uh, it's almost unfair but I mean there's a lot to be said there's a lot to be said for natural ability Um I think like naturally for me I could always handle a bike and my technical ability in terms of choosing lines in terms of pedaling around corners in terms of uh, navigating tricky descents or off camber corners and and stuff that was always fine but the thing yeah. that I needed to work on was the what i'll call the cyclocross specific skills which was yeah they're the getting on and off essentially yeah. and, and they're running with the bike on the shoulder and so on
1: yeah um,
0: so that's what i needed more emphasis on when i was working on it but when you found that that part of your skill set which needs most work um, that is what you should be spending most time on you know yeah the, yeah i mean like, the, it doesn't the beauty of that though as well it doesn't take much fatigue doesn't take no. much uh, you know yeah. energy so yeah. you could have done a, a decent ride and then you come back have a bit of tea or whatever and then just pop out for 45 yeah. minutes in the evening and just literally piss about in, in the field yeah you know? yeah yeah um, or use it as a warm-up that's what i used to do actually um just use use the skills as a warm-up for the main set
1: yeah um
0: question eight we've already answered in our initial bit of talking so i'll go on to question nine what's um, wh- sorry, when are you at your happiest?
1: oh <laughs> Um, that's a deep question. <laughs> probably when me, Lewis, and Duke go away in the camper and it's stress free, somewhere warm, preferably with a lake to swim in. <laughs> okay. Probably, probably a summer when we went away. That I was very, very happy, very relaxed. So, yeah, good answer.
0: Good answer um last question number 10 what are or have you got any morning rituals or routines
1: um i do but it's it's more to do with the dog (laughs) rather than it's not like i get up every morning and i do some cora or anything like that i mean i do get up and i drink a pint of water then kind of get ready take the dog out um me and the dog are both in that routine then yeah come back eat breakfast do a bit of work maybe on my bike um yeah i wouldn't say i have anything that's like ritual apart from maybe my drinking my pint of water that's normally just because i'm thirsty though nothing to do with
0: the same as me yeah yeah
1: um i don't drink coffee either so i'm don't yeah i'm one of these people that gets up and needs coffee so mm. yeah but, yeah, to be honest, my life now, kind of, the mornings kind of revolve around the dog. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, a good habit or ritual to get into. I think sometimes, I must admit, like having my dog, Duke, um, he, like sometimes I think oh, life would be easy without him.
1: Yeah, so do <laughs> and, I. Like, me. Like,
0: especially on like days when it's horrible weather yeah. and you know you want to do a ride as well yeah, and it's yeah. like just getting, getting in get that little twice.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly
0: yeah um or three yeah. times
1: yeah yeah <laughs> um,
0: but but um but then sometimes like this morning for example like, i took him out for a walk like exactly what you said got up had a big glass of water took Duke um on a dog walk while i was taking Mill- millie to nursery and yeah. i got back and i just felt so refreshed so yeah. ready to start the day and yeah. um it's like an excuse to get out of the house because otherwise yeah, you know, it could easily get pushed pushed further and further yeah um, yeah i do
1: find some days lewis takes Duke to work and i i instantly regret telling him you can take yeah. him so i'm like yeah. oh i don't have any excuse to go outside now don't yeah, really yeah, know yeah, what yeah. i'm doing <laughs> um, but yeah it can be difficult when I mean, at the moment Leeds is so wet. Uh, I end up hosing and drying the dog basically twice a day. And it's,
0: oh, no, yeah,
1: yeah, it is hard work, but I, yeah, it doesn't take me long to miss him when he's gone.
0: <laughs> yeah, luckily for me, my dog's a short head dog, and uh, he wicks water away really easily. He's like oh, a very so lucky. yeah. There's there's not really any any drying or hosing that I need to do. Like one shake and he's dry basically. Wow. So, um. So yeah, but my my parents have a collie and every single walk it's like hose, towel yeah. dry, yeah. let them shake once, yeah. then throw them dry again. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. like
1: it and then it comes he comes in the house and he wags his tail across the kitchen cupboard and it's, right, I have to keep clean the kitchen cupboards and they I'll have to mop. <laughs> and it's just it's just never ending and sometimes yeah. I'm like
0: Why? Oh. Why did I yeah. bring myself into this, yeah. Um OK, well, that was all the questions. There's 10 questions there. Um, and uh, there, were, there was some other questions that actually got asked, but I wanted to keep it to 10. And also I wanted to just keep it to quite short form. There was there was a few people who asked some more detailed, like lengthy answer type questions. Um, okay. And for those people, if anyone is listening to this podcast and your question didn't get answered or asked, Then please um, feel free to drop Amira a message or email. Yeah, happy to answer anything. Happy to answer answer some questions. Yeah. Your um, so just to remind us, Amira can be found on Instagram, which is what's your handle, Amira? Just a mirror I mean, it?
1: I think it's just a Miramella,
0: yeah. mella. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure a quick search will find you. Um, and I'll drop her email address in the show notes. So if you've got any emails that you want or you want to get in touch with her, please drop yeah. her an email. Um, she is also now a bit of a bio. If you go onto the edgecoaching.cc website, she, if you go on meet the coach, you might not know this, but you've also got a little <laughs> bit of a, a bio and a bit about amira on there so if you want to know the kind of fundamentals but it's been great to talk to you amira um and um hopefully the listeners got to know a bit more about you um a bit more about your history um and a bit more about where you want to go with the coaching yep. and also some exclusive info yeah. on on what your um You guys your, are the first ones to hear about
1: be. my plans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah exactly so um I hear you're going to go and watch the Nationals cross this weekend, yes. National Champs, so, um, yeah, so if I'll anyone's be there. Going, Yeah, um, I'll be there all
1: day Sunday for the juniors and the women's and the men's race. Mega. So, so, yeah, um, if anyone wants to come and chat or, yeah, yeah ask totally any fair. questions, yeah, I'll be around and about, probably with the dog, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, just look, <laughs> for, look, just look for the muddy collie. And, yeah, uh, shaggy collie, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> No, great to talk, Amira. Have a lovely rest of the day and, um, I'll, uh, we'll catch you in a bit.
1: Perfect. Thank you. Bye. Bye.